morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Winning Time, Episode 8. And the title of this episode is California Dreamin', a, a remake of the Mama and Pop, the Mamas and the Papas classic hit from, I think it was like 66 or 67. Uh, Coach Casey Hall, back on the podcast here. We are a day later. Coach Hall had some commitments that he uh, had going on on late Sunday evening. So we flip-flopped our interview podcast and our winning time review from Monday to Tuesday. Uh, So, But we're going to give you everything we got here for the next, oh, however long it takes us to get through everything. So, Coach Hall, how are you today? Doing good. Looks somewhat nice out here in Omaha, but I haven't been outside yet. We'll see if I'll blow away when I step outside next yeah. hour so. I haven't been outside since 7.45 this morning, so I could not give you an accurate description of what it is like either. So, uh, But hold on to your hats, and uh, you know, at the very least, hopefully if you hold on, you don't, you know, you can let go at some point. So, All right. Yeah. Well, let's jump into it. Let's, let's get into it. Uh, before we get into it, uh, Casey and I talked a little bit this week. Uh, I, I'm sure some of you, if you're listening to this episode or if you've listened to these series of episodes that Casey and I have done, uh, you're, you're, you're somewhat invested in, uh, the program. Um, and I'm guessing you there's a decent chance that you've heard, uh, Jerry West ha- has come out and, uh, is basically, and I'm going to read some stuff here. He's demanding a, a retraction and an apology for what he called a baseless and malicious assault on his character uh, during the production of this HBO series, Winning Time. Uh, The portrayal of an NBA icon and Lakers legend Jerry West is fiction pretending to be fact, a a deliberately false characterization that has caused great distress to Jerry and his family. Uh, And I'm just paraphrasing some things here. I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Uh, It's a travesty that HBO knowingly demeaned him for shock value and the pursuit of ratings. Uh, West's lawyers allege that the series creators acted with legal malice because many scenes in the series show West's purported rage did not appear in Perlman's book and did not happen. The letter includes statements from former players such as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Cooper, and Jamal Wilkes, as well as Lakers employees such as Claire Rothman, who is portrayed in the show as well. Uh, Kareem said instead of exploring his issues with compassion as a way to better understand the man, they turned him into Wile E. Coyote cartoon character to be laughed at. He never broke golf clubs, didn't throw his trophy through the window. Sure, those actions make dramatic moments, but they reek of facile exploitation of the man rather than the exploration of character. Uh, Claire Rothman, uh, who's portrayed by Gabby Hoffman in the show, uh, she said, Jerry treated me and everyone else in the Lakers organization with dignity and respect. I never saw Jerry breaking or throwing anything in anger or rage, nor did any did I hear anyone ever say he did such things. Uh, Mitch Kupchak said uh, essentially the same things. That is not his personality. Jerry is soft-spoken and does not like confrontation. He always keeps his composure and remains calm even when he has a disagreement with someone. Um, and they talked a little bit more about uh, his uh, discussion on whether or not to draft Magic Johnson and try to sabotage the selection. Uh, West lawyers said he only pointed out Sidney Moncrief's scoring ability and the Lakers should consider him. And Jack Kitcutt had the final say on it. So, you know, I would be the first one to admit, Casey and I would, would definitely admit that we have 
talked a lot about Jerry West and and the way that he has been portrayed. Uh, you know, we have definitely uh, uh, you know pointed out some of the things that he uh, has has done in this in this series or the way that he was portrayed in the series. Um, we're just reviewing what was put in front of us on television and and our reactions to what was put up in front of us on television. Uh, Jerry West is a terrific basketball mind. He was the architect in many ways of the of the '80s Lakers Showtime uh, squad and continued to put that whole thing together. Um, you know, I think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kind of had some of the same criticisms that we had have had over our reviews. Casey and and so I, I understand where Jerry West is coming from. If if I wasn't like that, if if somebody were to portray me in the same way that Jerry West has been portrayed on this program, I would not be happy with it either, uh, because that would not be the way that I handled my business. Um, so I, I I really understand where Jerry West is coming from. Um, Casey, what are what are kind of your thoughts on this as as we move forward and 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 discuss this before we jump into the episode? Um, I'm not, I'm not totally shocked, I guess. Um, I think we've talked about it. And like you said, we've talked about it. Like, was Jerry West really like this? Like Mm -hmm. we didn't know, like it was kind of shocking to see what happened during the show. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think they're trying to get, I mean, as most TV shows do when it's not all true or, um, straight, straight facts, um, they're going to try to entice storylines to keep people watching. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I do, I don't know if, I mean, I don't I'm, Lawsuits wise, that's people's own person, personal preferences and stuff. But, um, I think Jerry has somewhat of a gripe, just based it off that he wasn't like that, or he's saying he wasn't like that. And I think we kind of both agree that, we never saw that out of Jerry. Mm-hmm. I mean, would think anything of that. I guess neither one of us saw it, but um, we wouldn't portray Jerry to be like that. Um, hopefully, it doesn't hurt how people perceive the show. Um, and like they do say at the credits, that not all, not every storyline is true. Not each person is perceived to be real life. So, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, we kind of see that, uh, how it would go, but I guess, I guess in the end, um, are they taking a little much too much away from the book? Like they follow the book as much as they can. Are they trying to ad lib too much and overdo it? Mm-hmm. Probably. Um, which, which kind of stinks for mm-hmm. people that want to follow it. Um, but I understand what they're doing and trying to keep a storyline and keep people intrigued with the show. Well, it's probably the problem, and that's why there's not – you can count the really, really good sports movies on one hand and, and maybe two because of the lack of realism. Like I know one of the things that we talked about was uh, have you ever been in a in a huddle – in the middle of a game where a player just went and sat at the end of the bench and you didn't say anything, right. you know, things yeah. like that. I mean, that's, that's, that's stuff that, that never happens. And you know what? I'm a, I'm a basketball coach and a history teacher. I, I don't try to paint. And, and I think one of the problems that we get into with these situations is for people like you and I, and for people that are really, really interested in material like this is we know 
where the truth is. We know what really happens in locker rooms and in huddles and in film sessions and things like that. And when you have people that come in and try to create stories to appeal to a a wide swath of people, instead of sticking true to the product and and true to what actually happened, these these are the problems that that creates. You know, in my in my yeah. in my mind, that's that's my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're trying to overdo it a little. They're trying to overdo it a little much, and then you're going to get in an issue where someone doesn't agree with it, and they've got more money than you've got, so they're going to go ahead and say, "Hey, write my name out of this, or figure some way out to." apologize for what you did mm-hmm. um and i think i think kareem and jerry both have a gripe mm-hmm. um but it's also i mean it's gonna get it's gonna get handled behind the scenes after, besides this comment that came out it's gonna come out behind the scenes that money's gonna get exchanged or an apology is gonna happen and it's gonna be a wash under the bridge probably yeah i i would i would imagine you're right there so uh, that's just it, I guess. Uh, Casey, the next time, here's here's the solution. The next time that somebody wants to put together a, a sports project like this, they just need to come to you and I, and we'll help them put it all together and show them how realistic it, it truly is. And, Perfect. And, you know, they can pay us to do it. I, I'd, I'd take a little cash. <laughs> oh, I would take a lot of cash. Uh, yeah. <laughs> with three kids in college next year, absolutely I would take a lot of cash at this moment. Yeah. So, yep. uh, so, okay. Well, let's jump into the episode, uh, California Dreamin'. What did you think of the remix of the California Dreaming song at the end of the episode? Your review was, of the song. Just the song. It was different. Uh-huh. Um, I was, I had to listen to it. Like I had to rewind it just to make sure I was hearing what I was hearing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought it was very different. Um, I'm not. I wasn't a fan of it. Okay. I'd rather I'd rather listen to the old school way, but um, I thought it was very different um, and a different tune for sure. Yeah, I kind of liked the beginning of it. Um, now I'm a big fan of the original, uh, but I, I like the beginning of it. Uh, I, I thought it kind of went off into a different place. I, you know, there's again, but I'm not a musician. I'm not a record producer. I teach history and coach basketball and talk about basketball. So, uh, right. but I, you know, I, I like the beginning, but I didn't like where they took it. That's that's our that's our 90 second mu- uh, music review for this episode as well. So, uh, so uh, California Dreaming episode eight uh, got into a lot of different things. We kind of uh, did a big time jump. We skip basically January and, and a lot of February. We go straight to the All-Star game. Uh, overall thoughts, Mr. Hall, what did you think of, of just kind of some overall things with the episode? Um, the way the episodes were going, I was really excited for this one, and I ended up disappointed a little bit. Okay. Why is that? Uh, I don't I, I I'm over. I, and, and I don't disagree with you, by the way. I'm, I'm over. I'm over, like, the whole situation with his mom, I understand she's sick and she passed away. I'm kind of done with that whole storyline. Um, that that kind of just drug out mm-hmm. more than it needed to in this episode. Um, we knew she was sick. I understand that, but we could I could have gone on. I could have seen more basketball being played or more behind the scenes stuff with the coaching situation. Um, 
or more of more of the all star stuff with Magic and Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, I could have done a little more with that, um, but I just thought that was too much. And then they, we didn't really see much basketball being played. Yeah, uh, I know that's something we both talked about that we'd like to see, but this episode just kind of I felt like we. We're going in the right direction. We had taken five steps forward, and now we took like two steps back. I would going into what what we were hoping we'd see. Yeah, and uh, I was I I agree with you. Uh, two episodes. I was really two episodes ago. I was really down. Last week I was back up. This week I'm somewhere in between. Um, there there was some good things. Uh, there was some some other stuff that went into it that I, I didn't like. And again, it has the, the more and more that I look at this series, the more I, I wish they just would have stayed truer to the book and, and not brought in all of these different, uh, storylines, uh, topics that again, a lot of the people that are watching this, um, they are. They are. They want to know about Kareem. They want to know about Spencer Haywood. They want to know about. And I get kind of the Magic Johnson, Cookie Johnson storyline because ultimately, you know, ten or eleven years later, that becomes one of the most important stories of the decade. Um, when when Magic announces his HIV positive status, I get that. I, I do get that non basketball storyline and how they're developing that in there. And by the way. Kudos to you, my friend, for calling the Rhonda storyline out there. Um, I you said was that her in the in the hotel room in Detroit, and I did not catch it. I missed it. You got it, and you know, I just I just want to tip my hat through the telephone to you, my friend. Right, thank you. That was, that was a good guess. I was just like, I'm pretty sure that's her, but I couldn't tell. But they confirmed it, so mm-hmm. that's a plus. Yes, and and that did happen um it was uh you know Irvin did father uh, a son um with another woman um and apparently it was i don't know if it was again we we kind of have to go apparently allegedly now at this point uh we'd love to be able to say yes it was this woman Rhonda Mitchell uh but uh we don't know that for sure uh, but, I had but, looked I had looked it up it wasn't it wasn't well. They didn't say it was if it was her friend or not, but they did say it, he fathered a fathered another child when they were on a break. So I don't know if this was considered a break because I don't know if they're actually in a relationship. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, I kind of did look that up because I was like, is this the same person or not? And I don't mm-hmm. think it is, but um, everything else is true that he did have a child with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, there were some things that I liked in this episode. Uh, I really liked the opening. And, uh, you know, so we had that really good episode last week, and then we come out, and we got Dr. Buss talking about Roger Bannister and the four-minute mile. And yeah. it's like, okay, man, I really, okay, I like this. I like this. I like where it's going. Um, and then I, I think we jump pretty well into the All-Star game. Uh, Dr. J comes into play. Um, you know, some some good things there. Um I, I really, uh, I never thought I would see a television show that was able to combine basketball and Star Wars, two of my greatest passions ever. Um, terrific writing. Whoever wrote that, thank you very much. 
um, and and they were able to to weave it in there extremely extremely well. So I I like that. Um, you know, so so there were some some good things that I that I liked about it. Um, uh, Paul Westhead has to go to the bathroom a lot. He has to pee a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that must have been his go-to thing when he wanted to leave an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, you know, so, but, but there was a lot of down things too. Um, and, and let's, uh, so let's kind of get into that here, Casey. Uh, best scene of the episode. Um, I, uh, I've got three or four, uh, big things here. And, um, so I'm going to start here. Uh, even, even Jerry West, uh, even the trophy of Jerry West is dropping the F-bomb, apparently. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, not, not, in, uh, not in, uh, in light of what we just talked about a few minutes ago. Uh, Mrs. Riley, um, pretty hardcore Machiavellian move by her when they're trying to uh, get uh, Pat to have Pat keep his job. A uh, pretty hardcore Machiavellian move there. Uh, I thought I really liked the scene where Riley broke the fourth wall and and talked to McKinney in the diner there uh, during the during the television interview. Uh, I thought it was kind of interesting the the interim interim head coach uh, <laughs> when uh, Coach Westhead had the uh, kidney stones that he was dealing with. Um, and then my favorite scene, uh, and what I thought was the best scene of the episode, and they broke it up into little pieces, but I really, really liked the scene in the locker room with Jerry West and Magic Johnson at the end of the episode. Yeah, that that was my favorite. That was by far my favorite scene. Okay. So that was that was my number one, um, for sure. Like, I don't know. I just think it was just like. It was like the, it's like what Kareem kind of did with Magic too. It's kind of like hadn't handed down the pedestal, like saying, "Hey, what do you want out of this, and where do you want to go, and how bad do you want it?" Kind of just put it out there at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are the type of conversations uh, that do happen. I mean that those those are those are the way that uh, things really play out. Those are the way that great players and great coaches talk to one another. And and those are decisions that great players and great coaches have to make. You know, Magic had to figure out that Dr. J was kind of playing the game with him a little bit and, and took advantage of him. And that he had to be, uh, to use the word uh, that I used with Chris Riley, uh, Machiavellian with Dr. J, that he had to shut off those feelings of wanting to hang out with his hero uh, he needed to be a little bit more uh, cold-hearted than what he was previously with Julia Serving, and and so I I really I really liked that part of it. Um, did I miss anything of the best stuff for you? No, I don't think so. Those were probably all three of those were pretty good. Um, some of the Spencer Haywood storyline was good. I don't mm-hmm. know if there's an individual scene that was good, but just kind of like. Um, He's kind of put on the back burner, but I think the storyline of him was just pretty good, like showing him, showing where Pat and uh, Westhead feel he's at, then where Jack feels where he's at, and he's getting all these different vibes, and it leads him into, as you see, smoking his heroin and um, 
all that. But I think that just, I think that I kind of wish they would have more storyline on that. Mm-hmm. And maybe we'll see that here the next two episodes or going into the next season. But uh, I'd kind of like just to see, I don't know, it doesn't need to be a full episode, just an episode on him, like just showing everything, what he's belt, dealt with on and off the floor. Yeah, I, I think, and I and I said it, I think, last week, I think we're going to culminate with the Lakers winning the championship and Dr. Buss is going to get out of the financial constraints and uh, it's it's not going to be a good ending for Spencer Haywood, uh, and we've yeah. said that all along. Uh, you know, I I really liked. I, I think what we went from, and again, I'm going from memory because I watched it last night. Uh, I really liked the scene with Riley again communicating with Haywood about getting his knee checked out. Uh, hey, you know, you got to think about your body long term. Yada yada yada, and then he ends up you know, stabbing Spencer Haywood in the back and saying, well, we need to trade him at the same time. And, and I realized that that is professional sports. That is the, that is the way things go. And, you know, just all the, uh, what I wrote, I wrote this down, the palace intrigue between all of these different people trying to get themselves ahead. McKinney trying to get his job back. Riley trying to keep his job. Haywood trying to keep his minutes. Westhead being caught in the middle of all of these moving pieces. And and I thought that was pretty interesting as well because those are probably a lot of the things that happen at that level of sports, I would imagine. Oh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you got to think the coach is going to tell you one thing, but – you're going to go to another room and the GM or the owner is going to say something else and pretty much you're done or you're just going to sit on the pine. Yeah. Um, it was like, uh, you know, uh, Steve Nash said for weeks, uh, we're not trading James Harden. There's no way we're trading James Harden. What are you talking yeah. about? And then, you know, well, they're trading James Harden. And, yeah. and, and so – you know, again, that's that's stuff that we don't deal with at the high school level, but I'm sure that stuff goes on there. Uh, anything else for the best scenes category? No, I don't believe so. I think we hit the one scenes that were pretty good. Okay. Uh, worst scenes of the episode? For you, Sam. Um, I'll, I'll let you lead on this one. One of mine is uh, Magic playing Dr. J. In the game is near the end of the episode, um, and Magic and there's and Magic gets ripped, and Doctor J goes up for the slam dunk and all that stuff, and then they say show the final score, and they say that they lost by twenty or whatever, and Magic had his worst game ever. Well, that's absolutely false. Mm-hmm. The Lakers only lost by one that game, and Magic had twenty one and nine in real life. So that's disappointing that they don't even follow. Real life facts on that. That was that was really disappointing. There. That is deep uh-huh. research, Mister Hall. I'm gonna have to yeah. pay. You, I'm gonna have to pay you more for this deep research that you're throwing in there. Yeah. So like, Magic got 21 and nine. The Lakers were leading early in the fourth quarter, but they ended up losing by one on a buzzer beater. Okay. So that's 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 that's. I I just looked it up because I was like, I want to know what the final stats were in that game and. I just found that little blurb, but um, that's kind of disappointing to see that they were that far off telling the story. Yep. You know what another disappointing thing was about that little stretch as well? 
you know, we the, that is the very, I think what they were trying to do is recreate the very famous Dr. J rocking it to sleep dunk, yeah. you know, um, it, extremely inaccurate as well in that it wasn't magic that he dunked on. It was Michael Cooper that he dunked on, on that play. Yeah, and, I didn't think it was magic either. When I saw that, I was like, I'm pretty sure it wasn't magic. No, but. it was Michael Cooper because I've, I've seen that play a thousand times, just like any basketball junkie has seen that play a thousand times. It was Michael Cooper that got dunked on. So, I mean, he's just like, come on, fellas, let's, uh, let's clean this up here. Let's clean this up. Yeah. 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 That, that, that by far was the most disappointing episode or episode, part of the episode. Um, and I think some of the all star stuff with Larry and Magic is getting overdone a little bit um, with the true. I mean, absolute hatred almost. I mean, I know they didn't get along the greatest, but it just bases it off that they pretty much just despised each other. Well, I think there was some of that, though, because they— I think—I don't think they liked each other, but it just shows—like, they're just showing right there that they, like, when they sat down to restaurants, they would not say a word to each other. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. But, but I just feel like that's getting overdone a little bit, um, trying to push— trying to push the color thing, I guess you could say. And that I'm pretty sure that's how it was in the NBA too. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause they want everyone. I mean, you had a white man and he was good against a black man who came from this other place. But mm-hmm. um, I just feel like it was a little, little overdone. Um, and I'm, I'm ready for David Stern just to take over as commissioner. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're going to have to probably wait till like season three or four for that. To I was going to say, so, we probably got to wait a while for that one. Yeah, yeah. Larry, Larry O'Brien, not the most politically aware commissioner. I, I can't right. understand why the NBA was struggling in the late 70s with him yeah. in charge. Yeah, I'm stunned. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't get that at all. Yeah. Um, and then, gosh, what was my other? Uh, I had one more. Gosh, dang it. Now I can't remember what it was. I just skim by it and i can't remember now what it was okay. um but i have one more if you if we try, if you bring it up or i'll all try right. to think about where it was um kind of in the all-star part of it uh milton burl not good yeah. uh, <laughs> uh yeah. not not good uh especially 40 40 some years looking back on it uh and where we've come from in the last 40 plus years and again we have a long way to go in our society but not good i uh I did not really need to see the bus family tearing into a bucket of original Kentucky Fried Chicken. Uh, that just just not needed in any way, shape, or form. And yeah. uh, I really thought, Casey, perhaps the to to this point the the worst scene of the entire series uh, to this point. And, and I'm and I'm just, I'm painting with a very broad brush, and I get that right now. We we see when when Mob Bus comes home, and they have the in-home nurse, the essentially the hospice nurse uh, is yeah. going to be there to take care of her. And we we have this buildup, uh, Doctor Bus, and I think her name was Lucia. I can't remember for sure. I'm just going to call her the nurse because I don't want to give the wrong name, but. They have this really, really nice scene in uh, the kitchen, 
and he seems so genuine. It, it's kind of a, a a real personable side of a, a human side of of Jerry Buss, and then of course it evolves into the car scene and. For the first time in almost eight episodes, we see Jerry Buss being vulnerable, but that vulnerability instantly changes and without going into great detail, just turns into a means to an ends to get something else that he wanted. And and I, I that was just really, really tough to watch for me. Yeah, I thought I thought that whole scenario the bus family showing him at the house going into what happened in the car at the end of the scene with the bus and the doctor or the nurse was really bad mm-hmm. i i don't know i mean we understand I and mean, that's why i said beginning of the episode here like i understand like you've got to have a storyline with the mom and talk about what dr bus and genie are going through but we're we're trying to we're trying to stretch a 30 minute episode into a 45 minute hour episode now. Yeah. Just to make up things. And there's, and there's enough material there that they don't need to do that. Exactly. Yes, exactly. I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Uh, what did you think of the scene where Westhead is in the hospital and McKinney comes in and Westhead says, let us finish the season. Uh, was that a jerk move by McKinney? to rip him a new one and tell him that, you know, I thought you were family. I thought you were going to take care of us, blah, blah, blah. And and whatever, what was said, I, I, again, I don't remember everything that was said or was McKinney justified in being angry with Westhead trying to take this all away from him, his life's work. Uh, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. And the reason I selected you is because you're, you're not good enough to be a real head coach. And I knew that's the, what you were, that's that's what I knew you that's what I thought you were all along and that's why I picked you is not because you were good it's because you weren't good enough uh jerk move not a jerk move um I thought it was a good move by um Westhead um I think he finally stepped up and said hey I can do this um but then I think it on McKinney is pretty much I mean I think he was stating what he thought saying you're not ready to do this but I think I think he's found out that he can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think Jack, and the thing with Jack is he doesn't want to give up his job. Cause I think if he knows if he loses this job, he's not going to get one back, which in hindsight does happen. Yes. So um, I think, I think Westhead, I think it, I mean, and things turn, don't turn out the right way for him in the end either. Yeah. Uh, but, I think him stepping out of his comfort zone and doing that was probably the best thing for him in the long, long haul. Maybe not in the NBA, but when he goes to Loyola Marymount. Yeah. Yeah. He seems to be more at home on the college uh, court. I mean, he, you know, things are going to end well this season, uh, wins and losses wise. We know that. But. It's not going to end so well. His tenure is not going to be good with the with the Lakers. Uh, he goes to Loyola, does what he does there, turns out awesome and and highly successful. But then he goes back to the NBA, turns out to be a, a, a failure with the Denver Nuggets, and you know around and around we go. Yeah, um, which I think it's important, and you know this would maybe slide into our you know 
coaches lesson learned, uh, knowing who we are as a coach, what level we fit at. Some of us are head coaches. Some of us are assistant coaches. Some of us are college assistant coaches, and that's what we're best at. Some of you know some of these folks at NBA are great offensive or defensive coordinators or player development coaches. Some guys are not as good at that, and they want and they need to be a head coach. That's where they're most effective at. So I think there's a lot of different things that. Uh, we can kind of tell in that scene and, and the evolution of Paul Westhead as he moves through this series, which has been kind of an enjoyable thing to watch to a degree. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Like you're seeing the growth of somebody um, trying to go in the right spot. And I think he's doing that, but I think it's also going to be a shell shocked when things change here in the next four months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, Grade the basketball realism. I gave this one. I'll lead on this one here, Casey. I gave this one a C plus. Uh, not a lot of basketball. I did like the old school. The 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 guy who's playing Larry Bird. I think is doing a really good job. I I like the uh, if you ever watch a Larry Bird montage on YouTube or social media, the fake pass into the jump shot is a Larry Bird staple. And he does that in the All-Star game a couple of times. He fakes low, and the guy turns, and he lets the jump shot fly, which I really like that. Uh, I I thought, again, I liked uh, seeing some of the minor characters. Uh, Caldwell Jones jumping center for the Philadelphia 76ers and, and Lionel Hollins and, and Maurice Cheeks being out on the floor. Uh, as doubles, just little things like that. I think in in those ways, like they work so hard to hit those details. How do you screw up having it not be Michael Cooper that gets dunked on on the rock the cradle rather than Magic? You know, just so that, I yeah. think that's that's a frustrating thing when it comes to the basketball realism. I I the the like I said, I've never been a professional coach. I don't know what it's like at that level, but I I will say that that. Uh, like I said, I, I referred to it earlier as that palace intrigue between uh, Westhead, Riley, and McKinney, and that that power struggle between those three guys and who's going to win out with this. And we figure out that that Riley is a really, and we know this now today, that Pat Riley is a hardcore, tough dude, and and he is going to do whatever it takes to get wherever he wants to go. Uh, I I really liked like so we go back to our favorite scene both of our favorite scenes the conversation between Jerry West and Irvin after the Philadelphia game loved that loved that uh, when when West says happiness happy's a distraction you've got to keep working at it and you can't be happy with just one championship you know I should have five is what he kept telling Irvin um, and so I you know, like I said but not a lot of stuff on the floor. So I gave it a C plus. I gave it like a C minus. Mm-hmm. Um, just kind of what you said. Not enough basketball stuff on the floor. Um, I don't know if it's ever happened. I do like the kind of the tensions between Riley Westhead and McKinney um, behind the scenes stuff. Just trying to figure out who's in charge. Um, I don't think that's probably happened too much now or in the past but um just them all trying to say this is why we're doing this this is why we're winning this is what 
what we need to continue to do. Um, just kind of restating like, hey, keep why why change what's working? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do. That was the part of the basketball realism I liked was kind of the coach talk saying like, don't boil the ocean. Yeah. Um, as a as a coach Don Brummer would say at Miller West, uh, don't boil the ocean. Why change what's working? So, um, it's that's that's kind of where I was at. I kind of like that part of the um, basketball realism. But after that, like a lot of it was not true, as I said in some of those numbers. And then you said with the dunk, like, um, and then it just it just didn't feel like there was enough basketball time on the floor. Yep. Yep. Who made the most out of the 80s and survived, sir? Uh, I'll go Dr. J. Oh, oh, nice. I like it. Your reasoning. I think I think I know where you're going to go with it. I think he just lived the life. Uh-huh. I mean, you, I mean, from having parties to going out on the floor to being bus buddies with everybody, and then he's going to go out and take your, take your lunch and go slam one on you. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I just liked his personality that they showed in this scene. Um, we all know he's a hall of famer, one of the best ever. Um, but just kind of showing his personality in off the court and on the court. Um, and now we don't know if he was always like that or not. If he was, he was definitely a buddy buddy with everybody or not, but well, I, I thought it was interesting that he, you know, Magic and Cookie had the big fight, and then he shows up at the party without her, and Dr. J has given him advice on how to handle that uh, because Dr. J was a notorious philanderer as well. Uh, He he enjoyed, you know, he, uh, I can't remember the name of the gal that is the professional tennis player that he, uh, that he is the biological father of, and, and so... It was kind of a full circle kind of moment there as well. And, and and we're having a lot of these conversations and teaching points between the 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 older players, you know, Wes talking to Magic, Dr. J talking to Magic, that type of thing. And and it's not always just about basketball, but it's about a lot of different things of how to handle this really messed up lifestyle of being a superstar athlete. Yeah. And it showed how he wasn't shy of getting out and about. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I, 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 I went Dr. J there, kind of someone different that isn't in every episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of split the award here a little bit, but 90% one way, uh, genie bus, uh, versus Kentucky fried chicken, Kentucky fried chicken one, <laughs> um, yeah. unfortunately for genie. Uh, but unfortunately, um, you know, we're again, this is kind of the beginning of the downward spiral of, of Spencer Haywood. And uh, we're going to see what what crack cocaine does to him. I have a feeling that's uh, that that's what they're going to uh, end up playing out here as they move through the end of the regular season and into the playoffs. And so, again, it's it's good for Spencer that he got through it in the end. Uh, I think it's interesting. We think in the general public that these Athletes are just dealing with life on the floor, and that's all they're concerned about. But they're dealing with a whole bunch of different things. And and we as 
middle class people, we have our issues that we have to deal with that are difficult to deal with, uh, with paying bills on time and making sure that, you know, if a car breaks down, it's a really big deal for us to have to pay for it or, you know, whatever it may be. But, you know, just because you're a professional athlete doesn't mean your life is really, really easy either. I, I think some of them make it a lot more complicated than it needs to be. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, Spencer Haywood really wanted to win a championship. He's on this team that he feels like he has a, a chance to win a championship, and then he starts hearing about he might be shipped out. That had to be difficult. Uh, that had to be difficult. So I think that that's interesting, uh, and he decides to cope with it in a way that will ultimately turn out to be a very negative thing for him uh, at the at the end of the story here, I believe, if, if they take it the way that, that they'll prob- I would imagine that they will take it, so... Uh, coaching points or concepts that you're going to steal from this episode, Casey. Um, I think, I think everyone knows this, but I liked, I liked the beginning with Pat Riley talking to Spencer Haywood. Um, I know you said that was one of your favorite scenes of the show, but, um, I just like, I think as a coach, you gotta be, you gotta be real and you gotta be truthful with him. I mean, I know in the end he's stabbing him in the back, but he's pretty much telling him like, Hey, you're injured. You've got to get healthy. You've got to get, if you want to be as good as you want and get a ring, you've got to do the right things to keep your body in the right shape. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of liked his realism there. Yep. Um, I know, as we said, and if you watch the episode, he stabs him in the back saying that they need to trade him. But I think, I think it, he's really being though truthful that you can't let your body, you're not going to be able to play to your top of your ability. If you're not body, if your body's not a hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was um, really good. I think that's just in general for everybody. I think every coach agrees with that. Like you've got to be truthful with him. Like if someone's hurting, you've got to you've got to sit and rest. Um, we need you. We need you at the back end, not the front end. Yeah. Um, as coaches think, we got we need you in February. Not, I mean, yeah, we'll take you, but we need you healthy in February, not December and January when when something worse could happen. Yeah. Uh, I agree. With you. I, I think if there was a theme in this episode, it would be tough conversations. Uh, Jerry Buss is avoiding tough conversations with his mom about her health. Uh, Westhead is avoiding tough conversations with McKinney and Riley, and he's getting pulled in both directions. Uh, Jerry West goes in and has a tough conversation with Irvin Johnson about how bad do you want this? Again, Chris Riley having a tough conversation with her husband saying, you need to force the issue here and make them keep you. And I think that one of the underrated things that you have to learn how to do with, uh, with being a head coach, with being a leader, is that a big part of your job description and you don't want it to happen too often, but it is inevitable that it's going to happen, is that you're going to have these tough conversations. And that's part of what you're going to have to do. Nobody looks forward to it. Nobody wants to do it. But the sooner you take care of those tough conversations, the better things are. And 
as a head coach, whether you're dealing with a parent, you're dealing with a player, you're dealing with playing time, you're, you're, you're dealing with the magnitude of issues, you're dealing with another coach in your building that you need to have a tough conversation with about off-season setup set or whatever it may be. It's better to have that conversation and figure out what we're going to do and fix the issue rather than letting it drag out. That was, that was kind of the big coaching point I took from this episode. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that – and sometimes – it's kind of like uh, where we said with Westhead, like he finally had the big conversation with Jack. Um, it's not always coach to player. It could be coach to coach. Like, Hey, we need you to do this more or something like that. So um, I agree with you. I think that was real good theme for the whole episode talking about coaching and how to deal with situations. Mm-hmm. All right. Overall grade for the episode. So early on, here I said two weeks ago I was extremely down on the on the program, had it all the way at a D minus. And then last week I was back up and it was great. And I think this week kind of fell somewhere in the middle. And man, am I just being plain as vanilla ice cream. But I'm just gonna give it an average C. I'm just gonna give it a C. There there was ups there were downs there was some really really uh it was either really really good or really really bad and i think when you have really bad and really good i think it comes out to being really average and that average fell into a a c for me yeah i agree i i had a c c minus um just nothing really kept me like last week i was ready for the next next scene every every time and this one i was kind of like all right let's move on to the next one all right let's move on to the next one nothing really jumped out at me like oh this is really good yeah yeah so i was just kind of disappointed with that well let's hope that as we enter into the last two episodes of the season that with the pursuit of a championship that we have a bunch of basketball related stuff as we head down the stretch of and and there's only there's only 120 minutes or so of of this series for season one here left to go so let's hope that we let's hope we cap it off the way that we want it capped off as as basketball junkies i agree yep two left yep exactly so anything else to add mr hall nope i think we hit it all all right very good well i hope you folks have enjoyed episode eight of winning time california dreaming uh again uh, an average episode is what we gave it. Great minds think alike. Uh, hope you folks enjoyed the review of this episode. Check out all the things that a pen and a napkin has to offer everybody. So, hope everybody enjoyed this episode. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.